I'm going to preach the, uh, the, 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 book of, the book of Acts tonight. And uh, when I say the book, I mean like four verses. Exciting. Everyone said exciting. And uh, you'll be happy to know I'm not doing the Passion Translation for all the religious people out there tonight. <laughs> Sorry. God, help me preach tonight. I thank you for you just having your way in this place, honestly. I was just praying this morning, uh, tonight on the front row, and uh, we had some crazy um, cool stuff happen in the service today. We had two people who gave their lives to Jesus last Sunday. Uh, we had a word of knowledge about a lady named Maggie who got a report that that was a death sentence. She's got cancer, so we got to pray for her, praise God, and, and it was just some cool stuff going on around the place because God's awesome. And But I was just challenged by the Lord. He, he, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do tonight? And He's trying to challenge me that I can't just do words of knowledge and prophetic words, that He's actually bigger than that as well. Not that there's anything wrong with those, by the way, but just believing that He's just going to do something in the service tonight, and I don't know what that is. So when you find out, let me know. And, <laughs> and you just do what God's put in front of you and just trust Him that He's going to move because I believe He always does. All right, and you might not see it on a microphone, but God is moving. Just be sure of that because He's good and He wants to. Um, so we're going to get Acts 1, 4, 8, and I've got a sweet little picture up here. Just, look at that, Pentecost right there. Tongues of fire, a bunch of dudes looking very pious. And I think there's some ladies. Is there any ladies in there? No? Oh, well. There is some ladies? Oh, yeah, right in the middle. See, right center, center. It's awesome, just making sure. Um, all right, so... Acts uh, 1, 4, 8, help me, Jesus. Let's go. Uh, this is Jesus. And while being in their company and eating with them, He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait. How many love waiting? Some of you are waiting for this to end. <laughs> wait for what the Father had promised, of which He said, you have heard me speak. For John baptized you with water, but not, but not many days from now you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they were assembled, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you'll reestablish the kingdom and restore it to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to become acquainted with and know what the time brings, the things and events of the time and the definite periods or fixed years. How many love the Amplified Bible? Fixed years and seasons, their critical niche in time. That's pretty, that's awesome. Which the Father has appointed, fixed and reserved by his own choice and authority and personal power. But you shall receive Turn your neighbor and say, I've got the power. Then turn your other neighbor. Yeah, sing it. Thank you. Thank you. I don't even know who. Is that Tina Turner? I don't know. Is it Tina Turner? I don't know why I'm looking at you, Pastor Lynn, but I feel like you should know that. <laughs> Tina Turner, I don't know. i got the power. Uh, but you should receive power, and this is why I got in the Amplified, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my what? My witnesses in Jerusalem and in Queenstown and even in Chicago. And the ends of the earth, which is in Chicago, right? And uh, <laughs> just a little shout out to my dad. But you've got to understand that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. Power. Uh, we're going to go to another scripture. I'm just going to get all the scriptures out so we can just go with it, okay? Romans 1, 16. For I am ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power. Same Greek word, by the way. It's called dunamis. For I am ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So here we have a, a word called dunamis, and I'm gonna tell you what that means. Number one, it's strength, power, and ability. It's inherent power. It's power residing in a thing. Say, that's me. There's power residing in me because of the Holy Ghost. You can put your own name in there. Uh, power for performing miracles. That still happens today. 
Oh my gosh, I'm just looking around the room, who's here? So yeah, awesome, awesome. Had some cool questions today after the service. Uh, one of them was, how did, what gave you the right to pray for uh, Maggie with cancer? And uh, I said, because God heals. Uh, but how do you know? Because not everyone gets healed. Well, I know that every person that Jesus prayed for got healed. Okay, all my Bible lovers out there who want to live by the Bible but don't want to take that one. Every person Jesus prayed for got healed. Okay. <laughs> so if every person that Jesus prayed for got healed, then I believe that we have the, uh, the what do I say, the audacity, the simple faith to pray for someone to be healed of cancer. Just throwing it out there. Also, if I'm sick, please pray for me. All right? So the, the understanding of the theology was that if it's God's will for them to be healed, they'll be healed. You don't need to pray. We should never pray for healing. Well, praise God. <laughs> we always pray for healing. Why? Because we have a gospel of power, and Jesus didn't have an issue with displaying the gospel and preaching the gospel. So what, what really concerns me about this generation and where we're at as a church is we, we have got so intellectual that we can reason away faith all the time. And so it's very convenient to say, hey, we don't pray for sick people because they might not get healed. That really lets me off the hook. Doesn't mean I have to take a step of faith or pray for anyone and actually have the heartbreaking moment if someone doesn't get healed and wrestle with that and actually grow on my relationship with God and actually fall on my knees and say, God, why? Because I don't want to go through that. That's inconvenient. That's painful. That's kind of uncomfortable. That's kind of weird. So let's just make a blanket doctrine that we just don't pray for people. That way no one can fail. Oh my gosh, I want to get into it tonight. This is, this is, the, this is the, the issue with our generation is that we want to explain everything. And we want to make Christianity about our ability. And healing doesn't fit into that because we know we can't heal people. So we don't need faith. We just need a program. We just need a method. We just need a, a, a line of thinking that just says we just don't pray for people. By the way, I don't mind people asking questions, by the way. This wasn't, he wasn't asking in a, in a bad way. He's just genuinely got some other thinking that he's heard and stuff like that. So I'm saying, look, we pray for people because we believe God's real. You know why? Because Jesus said that you'll receive power. Well, what, what's the power for? The power is to live as he's called you to live. You can't live a new creation life without the power of God. You cannot be a born again, new creation, the old is gone, I'm brand new, just by you just change your thought life, <laughs> heaven forbid. You just change a few behaviors, you stop going to the pub, now you go to this place called church. And everyone's still getting together, but they're not as happy as my drunk friends. But I'm a Christian now, so I come to church, right? And I'm just not having any fun with my life. So, <laughs> my wife's saying, well, I'm saying, my wife's telling me to chill out. I'm just, I don't care anymore. Because I want people to come in here. I want them to experience the joy of the Lord. There should be a live people here not walking and saying, man, those guys were depressed. Wow. They're quiet. They've got no personality. They, don't, they can't smile. They can't joke around. I'm not saying you don't have a personality. I'm sure you've got one underneath all those layers. But <laughs> what am I saying? I'm saying that it is a gospel of power. And we have turned it into a gospel of methods. We've, we've turned it into, if you can say these three lines and win an argument on Facebook, <laughs> you're going to get people saved. And you're not because for someone to be saved, it takes the power of the gospel. It's a power gospel. And this is why Jesus says to wait. Now, you've got to understand, he's saying wait to people who have heard all his parables. 
They've been hanging around with Jesus. They've heard his parables. They've got a few, a few methods in place now. We know how to lay hands. We know how to, we know how to um, pray for bread, and it gets more. We've, we've learned a few things hanging out with Jesus. We've learned his teachings. We've kind of got a grasp of what he's doing. But he's saying, no, you still have to have power. I don't want you to be a witness until you have power. Because I don't actually believe you can actually be a witness to who God is, because God is powerful if you have no power. That's not just my opinion. That's why I believe that God said, wait until you receive power. Well, how'd you get the power? Because the Holy Spirit came inside of you. So is it your power? No, it's not my power. It's the power of God. But we need the power of God to actually love people. Just so we're not going to get completely focused on miracles because everyone just writes it off. Let's just talk about just morally living. To actually love people, to actually forgive people, to actually live the standard of Christianity we see in Scripture, you are not going to get there because you've done a course. Now, the course will help. Tools will help. But no course and no tools ever changed a person from the inside out. Like I'm actually asking these questions because like, even if we just look at like what we do as a church, there's a lot of organizations around on the planet right now who aren't even Christian, by the way, that do what we do. So what's the difference? What, what, are we, what can we give? What, what, is this, what is this gospel that doesn't stop us practically helping people, by the way, but there is something bigger and deeper in the gospel that actually changes a person. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. So I actually believe when I preach the gospel, the gospel happens. I don't believe that people are getting saved because I preached the right message. I don't believe it's because I made three good points. We rely on the power of God because no one has been transformed. No one has been born again without the power of of God, and it's the power of God through you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I know this is offensive, and I know this is hard to swallow sometimes. And, and this is again, this is what we do. We we don't want to preach this stuff because we might upset someone who's not encountered the power of God, and we don't want them to feel any less. Well, this is not about making people feel less. This is about wetting your appetite for what's actually available. You can you can ask any person in here who prays for the sick or knows that God is real and, and has experienced the power of God, I guarantee they have had a wrestle. I guarantee they've been on their knees behind closed doors that you'll never see. I guarantee they've faced disappointments. I guarantee they've prayed for people and they haven't got healed. I guarantee they had a word of knowledge and it was completely off. Yeah. But they never settled for a, for a gospel without power. And I, 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 it frustrates me how we, we, we want to intellectually reason away the power of God. And all we're left with is a bunch of methods and a bunch of p- patterns and our puffed up human wisdom. Paul actually says, I pray that your, that your faith will not rest in the, the wisdom of man, but in power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. That's in your Bible. Amen. Because <laughs> we are not ashamed of the power of the gospel. So the gospel we need to with the gospel we need is a gospel of power. And I'm so excited about what God is doing in the body of Christ. I'm so excited about what he's doing in the world right now because this is not a gospel of power for the pastor. This is not a gospel of power for the chosen few. I love how it wasn't just the apostles who got filled on the day of Pentecost by the way. Anyone heard of a guy called Stephen? I love Stephen. Stephen was employed. His job, his ministry role at church was to make sure people got fed. 
And the other apostles were devoting themselves to prayer and doctrine and fasting. And Stephen was waiting tables. But it said that, that Stephen was a man who performed great signs and wonders. Oh, come on. It's never been about your title. It's never been whether or not you have a microphone. It's never been whether you've been the chosen few. It's always been about the power of the gospel and people who actually understood it and went after it. Can I get an amen on Pentecostal Sunday? Please, please, please. Yeah, so good. So I think, we're, I think the church is a bit concerned right now because it's highlighting our lack of power. Everyone's doing what we do. The charities is great initiatives, and I, I, I believe that God's in them, and God's working through them, and I believe that we should love people and care for people. But I think when we boil it all down, if we don't have a gospel of power, we've missed the gospel because the gospel is the gospel of power. Do you know every single move and revival of God has not been uh, void of the power of God? Never. It has always been birthed and sustained by the power of God, like just crazy stuff. And it's amazing when you just go in and, and, and just study a few revivals. I, I did an amazing course on it. It was so good. You'll find people who are praying, who are desperate for God to move. They believe that there has to be a shift in their city, in their nation, in their country, in their community, and they know the only way a shift's going to come is if God moves. God has to move. God has to move. We don't need another program. We need God. We don't need another method. We need God. Come on, it's not like, it's not like you read through the, the, the times of history and it says in 1883, a church in Timbuktu realized that if they had two fast songs and three slow songs, God would move. Come on, that's not a slight at our worship team. I lo we love our worship. What I'm saying is it's not because they figured out a pattern or a method. These are people who are hungry and dependent on the gospel. Hungry and dependent on the gospel. You don't, you don't read that a church figured out that if we put our service times on a sign, revival will break out. Nothing wrong with these methods. Nothing wrong with these things. But they, these, are, these are secondary. Well, I want to say even fourthenary. Down the list, <laughs> we need a move of God. And I believe God wants to move. But, he, but, but the, I think the, the thing that we're coming up against is we are, we are too intellectual for our own good. We, we, we want to put our walls up and admit our lack of faith. We think the world's too far gone. We think God doesn't move anymore. Like it breaks my heart. So I, I get around some people and like, man, God's not going to move like he used to. Like, I'm like, what hope are you giving my generation? What, so you get to encounter God and we don't get him. How dare you? I love you, but I'll slap you. I'll, <laughs> I will lay hands on you because it's every generation's privilege and, and, and oh, responsibility to usher in the reality of God. I don't know anyone who's in here today because they didn't encounter the reality of God. If you didn't, you won't last. Just throwing that out there. If you are convinced to become a Christian just by mere intellect, you will not last as a Christian. You will get overwhelmed. You will think this is too hard. You will think I tried Christianity. It didn't work. You never encountered the Lord. You were never given the power on high to actually endure the illumination of the Holy Spirit. You did it all in your own strength. You got frustrated and you walked out and you left. You need an encounter with the Lord. People say, well, you can't say that because not everyone encounters the Lord. No, you need to encounter the Lord. <sighs> 
You have to. You don't have to encounter Him like I did, but you have to know Him. You need to know that you know that you know God is real. I love in the book of Acts where uh, Peter and John, they prayed for the crippled man that was outside the gate. <sighs> Getting wild. People got wild because they seen this guy. We know him. He's, he's begged outside this, this, this temple for 40 years. And he's asking for some money. And Peter and John like, we don't have money, but we got the power of God. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. We've got the power of God, so in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Well, what happened after that? Well, 5,000 people got added to the church. Wow. It's almost like God's already got a method. And it includes power. Why? Because then Peter and John could say, why do you look at us by like our power that we raise this man up? It's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that this man walks. Oh, come on. And no one can say anything because they know who he is and now he's walking. What are you going to say to that? And this is what I love about the power of God is you can't, you can't argue with it, but it's really hard. It's really hard to argue when someone's leg grows out. It's really hard to argue when someone had cysts and their brain, and now their scans are clear. It's really hard to argue that God has done something. God has moved. It's really hard to argue with someone who was completely away from the Lord, hated people, got saved, and now loves people. Talking about myself, by the way. It's really hard to argue with a changed life. Not just a few changed behaviors, not just a few changed locations, a changed person, because it's the power of God unto salvation. Oh, come on, Jesus. And so what I love about the story is that Pharisees, they hit up Peter and John, and <laughs> the Bible is awesome. It says he, they look at them, and they realize they're uneducated people. But they see that they've been with Jesus. Oh, come on. They know that they haven't done a three-year course. They know that they haven't been reading off an evangelism card. They've actually been with Jesus. They have been endued with power. They have received God on the inside. <laughs> and they can't understand because you're not that smart, Peter. You're not that educated. You're not the greatest and latest. You're, you're Peter. You're a fisherman. Actually, last time we seen you, you ran away. Now you're speaking to us like that? Then they threaten them and say, don't ever preach in the name of Jesus. He says, hey, you just decide, is it, is it better for me just to, is it good for us to listen to you or be obedient to God? I mean, look at the boldness there. Now, did that, did that happen because Peter put on his favorite playlist and went to the gym and took some pre-workout and pumped himself up and decided I'm going to be bold today? No, no, no. He encountered the Lord. Oh, every single one of us need to encounter the Lord. 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, for God has not given you a spirit of fear. Other translations say a spirit of timidity. What does that mean? Just a, I'm just not really sure about anything. A spirit of timidity. A spirit of, I won't step out. I won't take a risk. I'm, I'm timid. The Lord has not given you that spirit. Amen. 
He has not given you a spirit of fear. What does that mean? I do not fear man. The fear of man is a sneer. It traps you. It immobilizes you. Stops you stepping out. You can't step out. You're in a trap. You're in a bear trap. You want to step out. You can't step out. What will they say about me? What will they think? What if God doesn't come through? And then we get this crazy thought in our head that we're the ones who are responsible for how God looks. Well, I would pray for them, but what if God doesn't heal them? I don't want to embarrass the Lord. You laugh, but I've been there. You know what it was? An excuse of why I didn't have to pray. Why I didn't have to step out. Because the last time I did it, nothing happened. I don't want to embarrass the Lord. I'll wait until I'm ready. When are you ready, Corey? I don't know. When I feel like it. When someone prays for me. When it's Pentecost Sunday next year. When are you ever going to be ready? You're going to be ready when you receive the power of the Holy Ghost. You might say, well, I've already got it. Well, what are you doing with it? (laughs) And when I say it, I mean him. I apologize. It's not a thing. He's a person. I believe that every single one of us, if you're born again, you have the Spirit of God in you. But in a lot of us, he's lying dormant or he's quenched. Because we're worried about what will happen when we step out. I got to tell you that the gospel has always been a gospel of power. And to experience the power of God, it's always going to take a risk. Christianity lived on our own ability and in our own understanding and in our own power is not going to change the world. Make it a little bit more personal for you. It's not going to change you either. You can't change yourself. You can't change a city. You can't change a nation without the power of God. We need the power of God. I believe that this generation, like honestly, I believe that, man, I feel like I'm talking about myself way too much tonight, but I'm just burning for him. But I believe I'm alive to display the reality of God to my generation, the generation to come. It breaks my heart when I meet people who have never encountered the Lord, never experienced the Lord, never even thought it was available, just thought, man, I'm in church, I'm good, I'm I read my Bible, I pray. Well, have you heard his voice? No, you're not meant to hear his voice. That's for the prophets. Okay, sweet, okay. No, you're meant to hear the voice of the Lord. Every one of us are meant to hear the voice of the Lord. Does that mean that you carry the the office of a prophet? No, but you're in a relationship with a real God (laughs) that lives in you that is always speaking. Does it mean that you can lay hands on the sick? Well, I believe it is. Because actually, if you look at the prophets and the apostles, and they're all there to actually equip you to do the work of the ministry. So what does that mean? Well, if I carry the prophetic office or I carry the office of an evangelist and I should be training and equipping the people around me to actually do it. Doesn't mean that the ones who got it are the only ones who have it and then everyone else needs to come and get it from them. It's right there in your Bible too. Amen. The Bible says that these signs shall follow the pastors. Seen if you're awake tonight. These signs shall follow those who believe. Come on, I've got any believers <laughs> in the house tonight. These signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they shall. Thank you. 
Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Oh, but he doesn't heal all the time. <laughs> In my name they shall cast out, raise the dead, open the eyes of the blind. Come on, the same works I did, they will do and greater wife for the glory of the Lord. Man, we've just dropped the standard. We're meant to be going higher. Why? Because Christ is in us. Come on, Jesus was walking, physically walking around the earth, couldn't be everywhere at every time, but the Holy Ghost is in all of us and we're everywhere at every time. There's people all over the world. There's people in different communities, there's people in different situations right now who have access to God and can bring God into the equation. Amen. So greater things we will do. It's amazing that Jesus tells us that, but then we tell Jesus, no, that, that was for you, not for us. Or no, that was for the apostles, but now we have the Bible. So we've got the books now. <laughs> amazing. I won't go there again. We think now because we have the Word of God, we don't need the power of God. Come on, friend. It says that the Word of God is alive and living, sharper than any two-edged sword. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the Word is powerful because the Word is Him. He is His Word. It's not some written agenda that we look in and like, man, what's the instruction manual for today? It's about a person. It's revealing the character and the nature of God. We read about the testimonies and the miracles that God has done, and it's, and it's actually meant to encourage us and be like, God, is this, is this what you're doing? Is this, can we go after this? Is this who you are? Is this your nature? You, you've moved from the beginning of time, but now you've just stopped in 2022? Why? Has God just stopped being who He is? Has God just said, I'm just not going to show up anymore? I'm... Come on, He's a God who cares. He's a God who sees. He's a God who's real. This is, the, this is the thing that made the difference back in the day. We put the Ark of the Covenant into our temple of Dagon, and He falls on His face, and His face is smashed, and His hands are smashed, because He's a statue, and we put a real God in the room. Then they start getting tumors, plagues. They're like, God's real, our God, Dagon, he doesn't compare. Get rid of the presence of God. Send it back to where it's meant to be. Amazing. Or we have a prophet who stands up against a hundred or so false prophets of Baal, and they're running around cutting themselves and trying to work themselves into a frenzy. And this is why I love the Lord, because he gave the prophet a sense of humor, and he's mocking them. Maybe your God's asleep. Maybe your God's on the toilet. You think I'm joking. It's in your Bible. The prophet's just giving it to them. Why? Because their God's not real. And he's full of confidence that God's going to show up. Why? Because his God's real and he knows his God shows. I don't know how bold we would be in that situation. I think we'd be intimidated that there's 100 people getting all worked up. Maybe we shouldn't taunt them because maybe our God won't show. This is Old Testament. We're in a, we're in a new covenant where we, we have God in us all the time. He doesn't just come on us to, to do an event. He's in us and on us. and Man, Bible says that Anyone born after John, sorry, John was, a, I'm messing that up. Who knows that scripture? That the least in the kingdom is greater than John. 
That's you. Even if you're the least in the kingdom, greater than the old covenant, greater access. Oh, come on, somebody. So we have a prophet who's just one guy, one guy in the Lord. So again, that puts a huge spanner in the works for us trying to feel like if we get more people on our side, we'll better change things. Because <laughs> that's not a God-ordained thing. That's just us trying to come up with a vote. If we get more people to protest and we get more people to cancel Disney, we can change the world. No, we need the power of God. We don't need the power of people. We don't need a crowd movement. We need the power of God. Amen? And so the Bible says, well, what would, save, what would, what would, what would stop the Lord saving with a few or many? This is why God said to Gideon, hey, you got too many people. What's going to happen? You're going to do something. You're going to think it's you. I need you to understand there's none of you and it's all me. Come on, somebody. That gives you a new perspective of when, what you're facing and what you're going through. That maybe God's just got you there by yourself in an overwhelming situation so you could actually rely on the Lord and understand that God wants to move through you. And you'll never have one doubt in your mind that it was because you and 50 other people got together and shifted something. Amen. Anyway, I'm all over the place tonight. I should have wrote a message and kept my wife's looking at me like, have I done something wrong? Am I okay? I'm good. Okay, thank you, Kelly. My wife will give me a debrief when I get home, guys. It's okay. She'll tell me what went well and what didn't. But um, again, let's just finish off the story of Elijah. But Elijah, he doesn't even make it easy for himself. He says, look, dig a hole. Just chuck all this water on the, on the offering. Just saturate it. Just make it as hard as you can because I know that my God's going to respond. Like, like stack the odds. Just make it really apparent that God showed up today. That's incredible. I don't know how many of us, and I'm talking to myself, have that perspective. Because I think we look at the world and we're like, man, it's getting worse. And man, if the, if the odds could just slightly just move into our favor, I think, man, then God would move and revival would come. Well, what if it's just getting worse and worse and worse, just so we're all completely aware that the Lord's moving? Yeah. Maybe that person you're praying for, who you thought was coming close to the Lord, but now they just look that they're so far away. Maybe, maybe the Lord just wants you to know that He's going to move and He's going to do something in their life, not because you got them closer, but because God is real and the power of the gospel saves the lost. Whew! Come on, Jesus. That's all I got. 740, I've gone over time. You guys good? I don't know what we're going to do now. But guess what? It's a day off tomorrow, so we can all stay tonight. We're going to linger in the presence of God for the next three hours. Oh, I'd love to. I would love to. It's amazing, eh? I remember going to a Heidi Baker um, meeting and, oh, my gosh. Talk about stretch me. It was like three and a half hours of worship. Then she finally got up, and I'm like, cool, we can sit down and listen to the message. And she just keep worshiping. <laughs> Like another couple of hours, and I was like, man, are people getting saved and healed and delivered and you name it? It was all popping off, and no one had even spoken a word. And just worshiping the Lord. It's amazing. We want God to move like that, but we don't want to do any more than four songs. Uh, I'm talking to myself, by the way. We need to increase our hunger. And not in a striving way, just, man, just be real with it. We just, we want God to move. I love what Moses says hey, unless your presence goes with us, we won't go. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to 
again, same as what Jesus is saying. Just wait. Wait until he comes. And I'll give you the power to be a witness. Amen. Why don't we stand tonight? Music team, you can come. And uh, hopefully someone else has got some prophetic words because I ain't got any at the moment. But hopefully I've stirred you and uh, challenged you in the Lord to go after him. You got a whole day off tomorrow to do that. Forget about your Netflix. Give the Lord some time in the morning and encounter him all over again. Amen. So good. I don't want to embarrass my friend here tonight, but Ginny Sharkley's here. And uh, if you don't know her, she's, um, I don't want to get all sentimental, but when I first encountered the Lord, uh, there was a couple of voices in my life that were like amazing. And Jenny was and still is a constant encouragement for me to be bold and go after the Lord and remain hungry. And I remember going, actually going to your house and I just moved to Auckland. I had no idea what was going on, what I was doing. But I remember just getting over there and just encountering the presence of God in your living room. And I was like, man, these guys are crazy and I love it. And they just love the Lord and they're just full of the Holy Ghost. And Jenny like encourages people prophetically and like on a national level. She's amazing. So yeah, everyone's probably going to come to you for a word now, Jenny. So that's great. I just, I'm just throwing it out there. But what I'm saying is you need people around you that are going to continue to fan the flame. And you need people around you that are not going to let you settle in your disappointment and let you settle in discouragement, but are going to say, come on, get up, go again. Just like Paul said to Timothy, hey, come on, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Fan into flame the gift of the laying out of hands, what you've received, what you carry. Just step into it. Be activated, be encouraged. And, and Jenny's been one of those people for me. Just a word in season, an encouragement, just someone to talk to and process with. It's been incredible. So I don't know why I'm saying all that, Jenny, but just wanted to honor you for who you are and what you carry, not just here, but in this nation. And I just believe that's going to go to a, another whole level. And you've just sown so many seeds of revival across this nation. And yeah, I think we're going to get to heaven and, and there's going to be a lot of people thanking you. Uh, for your faithfulness and the things that have been done that no one's even seen, but you have stewarded uh, revival. You have kept the the revival embers burning in New Zealand. You've you've got a, I don't know what else to say, but I'll start crying and start blabbering on for another 40 minutes. So I'll stop. But anyway, you need people around you. They're going to encourage you. Please, I, I beg you, please don't take my word for it tonight. Go into your Bible, read get a passion, get, a, get a, a revelation of the reality of God and the need for the power of God in our generation because our generation needs it. We are so filled with arguments and cancelling and you can't cancel the power of God. That's all I'm saying. 